Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 184. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? Before we get started, we have to take a minute to thank today's sponsor, and today's sponsor is On Deck. On Deck is a business you can trust with over $2 billion in small loans to date and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck is changing the way small businesses get financed. To explore the small business loan options that On Deck offers, head over to the show notes associated with today's episode and find the On Deck logo. Alright, enjoy today's show. Alright, I promise we're about to get started, but before we do, I just have to take a moment to uh, thank some of the folks out there who have taken the time out of their busy, busy schedules, I know you're all so busy, to write a five-star review. Uh, I got three reviews this past month, and I just want to say thank you to Alex Beckeza, uh, Eric Kimura, and Rob Crosby. Sorry if I butchered some of those last names. Uh, you guys have no idea. Give yourselves a round of applause for taking the time to show your appreciation. And then, you know, just thank you for the kind words. I really do appreciate it. You guys are keeping me going. You have no idea. It's a lot of work, but I'm loving every second of it. And you're really, uh, these words really help, you know, just keep me showing up every day. And then lastly, uh, you know, we have to, one thing I've learned, uh, you know, show your gratitude. I hope I just did that with the thanking you folks for those reviews. But also one thing I've learned from our mentors is that you have to support your community. It's not enough just to show up and do your job every day, but you really have to be a part of your community. And my community is you, the people listening, the people who uh, support the show with their reviews. And there's one person who's been a fan since the very beginning, Joe Fontana, and you know, he is launching his Kickstarter, and I'm so pumped for him, I couldn't be more pumped for him, Uh, the Meatball Republic, he's opening it, uh, or he's getting his Kickstarter going, we all hope he's opening it, no, we're going to help him open it, by heading over to Kickstarter to make our pledge and to support him and help him make his dream come true. Um, And you have no idea how excited I am to be able to have a podcast, to spread the word. It's one, two, three, four, five dollars, whatever you can do. Um, Let's just, you know, be a community and lean on each other and let's spread the word. If you can share this on Twitter, you know, pay it forward. Uh, Facebook, uh, make your your donation or back this, this project, this Kickstarter. Let's help Joe out. He's a great guy. He's been listening and connecting with me from the very beginning. And this is just my way of supporting him and showing him, you know, and saying to him, thank you. So let's get on that. Head over to the show notes right now, restaurantunstoppable.com slash 184. Find the the link to Joe's Kickstarter, and uh, let's go make his dream come true together. All right, that's all I have. I have a great episode for you right now. You're going to love it. Chef Jeremy Fox is going to blow you away. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Jeremy Fox. Chef Jeremy, are you feeling unstoppable today? Not usually. (laughs) 
Well, today I hope you are, uh, because I can't wait to just get blown away with your advice and stories. Let me just give the listeners a quick background of who you are and what you're all about, and then we'll start learning together. Uh, All right, Chef Jeremy Fox got his start working back of house in southern restaurants at the age of 19. He would go on to stage in Europe at three Michelin star properties. Then he would find himself back in the United States, but this time on the West Coast in California Bay's area. Uh, he would fine-tune his skills at Manresa, Rubicon, uh, Charles Knob Hill, and uh, before this is all before landing his uh, you know executive chef position at Ubuntu uh, in Napa, California. Uh, under Fox's tenure, Ubuntu was awarded a Michelin star, and additionally, Fox was garnered with accolades including Food & Wine Best New Chef 2008 and San Francisco Chronicles uh, Rising Star Chef in 2008 as well. And in 2013, he joined his friends Josh Loeb and Zoe Nathan at a Rustic Canyon Wine Bar in Seasonal Kitchen. And uh, this is just a huge aerial view of your career. I can't wait to learn more and to really dive into the details of it. Uh, but before we do that, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you have for us today, Chef? Um, I don't know if I necessarily have a mantra. I think I just try to work as hard as I can every day and try to be better every day. Mm. I mean, I, I think that's one thing is just that I love it. It's a Japanese philosophy of always um, – it's Kaizen. It's just always improving and always trying to be a little bit better every day. And that's one of the most common features I see from my guest chef is that, I mean, you can't show up every day. You're just trying to be a little bit better version of yourself than you were the day before. Do you see yourself kind of having that, that feel? I do. I don't think I'm ever, um, never, I mean, I'm never satisfied. I, it's not that I don't think it's, you know, what I do is good. I just, I just know that, uh, it can always be better. We can always, you know, focus on something that maybe we haven't, uh, paid attention to mm. before, whether it's, you know, I think our breadcrumbs could taste better. Um, mm-hmm. I think our mayonnaise could taste better. Just, uh, you know, I guess picking, picking small battles, every day that, you know, I guess attainable goals. And so you're constantly, constantly doing something uh, to improve. I love it. I think it's just that always, like, like you said, just always looking to improve and never really being satisfied, almost being insatiable. I mean, would you say that, I mean, is that going a little too far? I don't think it's too far. I think it's, um, it's, I think it's finding a, a fine line where, you know, you don't feel like you've never accomplished anything or that you're never good enough. Um, I don't think that's healthy, but I think it's just a matter of um, seeing the opportunity to to uh, to get even better and to keep growing and, um, you know, kind of pass that that ethos on to, uh, to others. Awesome. I love it. So let me ask you, Chef, what is your why? Like, why do you show up every day to do what you do? What's your purpose, would you say? If you could just give us one purpose. I think that purpose is to make make people happy. I, I, I don't think a lot of jobs give you the opportunity to really make people's day or turn their day around. Um, you know, you know. Speaking of diners who come in to eat, maybe they had a maybe they had a rough day. Maybe they're celebrating something. Maybe um, you know you don't know what the situation is, but to be able to have that effect is is rare, and I think it needs to be. Uh, um, you know, appreciated. 
Absolutely. And I think that's one thing um, I've seen with so many of my guests is that uh, they might say that the, their favorite thing to do is to create beautiful food or to you know treat food as an art but really at the core of it it's about creating those experiences creating the happiness and if you don't get that um i mean i feel like it's just almost a lost cause i mean wh- where would you say like when, when did you realize that it was all about creating happiness uh, i think i realized it probably before i even started cooking i think it was actually uh, the reason I did start cooking and just being inspired by uh, the movie Big Night and the effect that the food had on the people in that movie. And um, I think in my mind, I'm always trying to chase that. Did you say Big Night? Yes. I have never seen that movie or heard of it. What's it about? Uh, it's about two brothers in New York in the probably 50s who are on the verge of losing their their restaurant, which is very authentic Italian, um, whereas there's another restaurant down the street, which is kind of red sauce Italian and playing to the palates of of Americans at the time and how they're trying to survive against something that doesn't quite have the same integrity that they do. Hmm. I am going to put the links to this in the show notes because I'm excited to check it out. Thank you for mentioning that movie. And would you say, like, one of the questions I like to ask, Chef, is, I mean, when can you dial back to a point where you knew this industry was going to be your career, not just a job, a summer job, not just uh, a for now job, but when did you know that you were in full board, fully committed? I think after, you know, once I, you know, I saw that movie, I applied to culinary school, you know, within a few weeks after that. And I was in culinary school probably a couple months after that. And I think I knew going in that, you know, I was going all in. I had, I'd gone to uh, Georgia State for about two years after after high school in Atlanta and wasn't really feeling it, didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, I think I had decided ahead of time that this is it, I'm giving it all, and um, and I, and I did that. So how old were you, Chef? Because you started working in restaurants at the age of 19, correct? Uh, I was actually 17 when I started working. I worked at Chick-fil-A when I was 17. Okay. So, uh, um and other restaurants in high school is busboy, dishwasher, uh, but I was uh, 20 years old when I went to culinary school. Oh, okay. Was it this experience in that back-of-house environment that really drew you into a career? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think. I don't think I. You know, I was a dishwasher. You know, Euro Rap Cafe uh, on you know North Druid Hills Road, and I, I don't think that was like, wow, this, this is what I want to do. <laughs> I, I, you know, spontaneous as it was, I really, really think it was just that movie and That's just awesome. being moved by it so much that. Uh, Can you describe like it, what you were feeling? Made, you said you were moved, but like, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? How did it resonate with you? I think I wanted. To, I always wanted to do something with integrity. I I never wanted to go with the crowd. I, I guess I it, at times thought of myself as an artist, but you know, I, I don't think I had the the skills. You know, I wasn't. I didn't play an instrument. I didn't have a good voice. I didn't know anything about music. I wasn't necessarily a writer. It wasn't uh, those things. I don't think I was necessarily blessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like, you know, this might be an avenue to uh, to kind of express that. And you said um, what it was was the happiness, being able to make people happy. Um, that really drew you to it. I mean, was there a scene in this movie where that just really came out, that really just sang to you in a moment? I think it was the big meal scene where it's just this constant barrage of, of dishes and people's expressions when they see it, when they taste it, after they've they've eaten and they're 
you know, so full and so drunk that they're sleeping on the table. And, um, you know, and then there's kind of an argument between the brothers and it kind of ends with, you know, a scene where it's just one of them scrambling eggs and there's no, there's no speaking. Uh, it's just one of them making eggs and then sitting down to eat. And, you know, it seemed to diffuse that whole, that whole situation as well. So it was, it was kind of on different levels seeing the, what the power of, of food could do. Absolutely. And I mean, you, you mentioned the word integrity, something you could be, have or a job where there was integrity. And I don't think there's much out there that's, you know, garners more integrity than just making people happy and serving other people and making your life about the happiness of others. So, I mean, good choice with hospitality, my friend. And moving on, I mean, I got to ask you, if you could like limit it down to a handful of if factors, skills, habits, characteristics, you think most contribute to your success, what would they be? I think hard work. I've always worked hard. I've always been okay with it. I've always I've always been okay with getting my ass kicked. Um, and, you know, and that was partly inspired by a movie before I started cooking called Swimming with Sharks, where it's a Hollywood intern working for a, you know, egomaniacal uh, executive and mm-hmm. getting abused and paying his dues. And, um, you know, I guess I thought, you know, if he could do that, I could do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've definitely had those experiences and, it's not necessarily the best way, but I definitely responded to it and mm-hmm. it made me a better cook, a better chef, not necessarily a better person. Absolutely. So we got hard work right now. Uh, are there any other if factors? I mean, attention to detail is one thing I kind of just want to say just from listening to you because you say you're always trying to do things a little bit better. And I don't think you can be good at that or have that drive to be better every day unless you don't notice or unless you do notice the little things. So is that? Well, I think obviously yeah, attention to detail, you know, in terms of seasoning things, how things are seasoned, how they're, how they're prepared, the temperature. Mm-hmm. There are times when, you know, I've, I've thought that this dish could be the dish that makes or breaks my career, you know, and, and it's just a, you know, a salad on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock, like <laughs> having that mentality where, you know, everything can be taken away from you at any time. You know, that's part of what the driving factor is. You know, in terms of, you know, it factors, though, I think, you know, some some people are better at marketing themselves. I've, you know, it's it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to sit here and talk about myself or what, what I'm good at or what's good about me. You know, I think, if anything, I've tried to just put whatever I want to say through the food and let that speak for itself. And if you like it, that's great. And I shouldn't have to tell you that it's good. Um, mm. I shouldn't have to tell you that I'm good at what I do. Like, that's that's for other people to, to decide. Well, I mean, I love how you mentioned that you put the same amount of attention and detail into something as simple as a salad um, that you would in maybe an entree. Because I think so often um, we kind of just pass off the little things. But at the end of the day, it's, the, it's those little things that's going to separate us. Because, I mean, yeah, our entree should knock you out of the park. Like They should be amazing. But who's going to put that same effort, that same attention into the little things that most people just overlook? Well, I, I try to instill that with my with my cooks and you know if anything if they work for me for you know a certain amount of time they're going to know how to do they're going to have a foundation they're going to know how to season things properly and cook things properly and um you know as they go on in their career they can learn you know creativity they can pick up on that from different chefs but if they don't have the foundation of how to do things in the first place they're not going to you know any kind of attempted creativity they're not going to be able to execute the, the vision in their in their mind and it's, it's just it'll sound good on paper but not be good on the plate mm-hmm. and 
I'm always trying to, you know, trying to instill that. One thing too, I noticed, uh, just doing my research on you, is you really, really try hard to support your communities from sourcing locally. I mean, how much of being successful in this industry really comes from not just making it about yourself, but about others? Well, I just, I think that's, you know, what my style has developed into. I, you know, I especially. I think it's a product of being in California and, you know, right now specifically Southern California that I feel lazy if I go outside of, you know, a certain square mile. I mean, there's not like a set square mile radius I'm looking at, but I don't, we don't serve soft shell crab. We don't serve lobster. There's, um, it, it, it is fortunate as, as we are to be in Southern California. Um, you know, I have to pay respect to that by, staying as local as possible and you know it doesn't feel special to me if it's some nameless um piece of meat or fish from wherever like i know i like to know you know who's raising who's raising the animals the fish the vegetables um and then you're you know it's like you're telling a story um through the food without being too pretentious. Mm-hmm. Now I need you to tell a story of when one of these if factors, whether it be your attention to detail or just your work ethic, really just shine through and help you get to that next level in life. I think it's fall proof with everything. I think, you know, when I was in culinary school, when I left uh, Charleston and moved back to Atlanta after culinary school, I um, got a job working at a place called Mumbo Jumbo uh, for Chef Sean Doty. Um, I was super pumped about working there. I didn't have a whole lot of experience. Um, and, you know, I got thrown in on the line and just got my ass kicked every day. I was horrible. I, I knew that if I worked cleaner, if I uh, wiped my station down more, if I changed my containers out the end of the night, if I labeled everything well, if I wrapped things with plastic tighter that you couldn't tell there was plastic on it, I knew if I did all these things, that I didn't necessarily see going on around me that I would uh, I would be successful and eventually you know I was a lead line cook then I was sous chef and when I by the time I left to move to California I was chef de cuisine so it, it was I guess the the foresight to know that not to get too far ahead of myself and to, to be humble and you know that if I did things in the in the right the right order that it would pay off in the end. Awesome. I mean, listening to you talk, I can't help but think of a book, The Compound Effect, where it's a, basically the lesson in that book is, is just the little things that you do day in and day out to constantly improve. And it sounds like you have this attitude of constantly improving and just doing the little things like labeling the things right, cleaning up your station. If you just do the little things and you pay attention and you try to get better every day, it's that little edge every day. It, it compounds over time. And I totally hear that happening with you in this story and just kind of like in your all of your stories like up to this point just listening to you talk do you think that has is, is there a compounding effect going on in your life i think so i think it's a matter of you know especially when you start out in something new it can be so overwhelming with the the wealth of what you don't know and what you're not good at mm-hmm. and if you try to if you try to master everything right away very few people have that natural ability to just have everything be easy uh, right away I'm not that type, so I think it's like, okay, what can I do today? What can I work on today? And then, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you master all these smaller things by time, at some point you're you're, you're going to have mastered a lot of little things instead of you know trying to do too much at once and you know getting discouraged or um, you know failing too miserably. <laughs> I, mean, I think a little bit of failure failure is, is a great motivator 
Absolutely. And on that note, on the note of failure being a great motivator, tell us about a time, Chef, where you did fail. I mean, you mentioned getting your ass kicked a bunch of times in these early jobs. Was there a time that you just failed hard um, with a huge mistake? And then tell us you know, what you learned from that mistake and why you're better today because of it. Well, I mean, I think I failed. I felt big. I, um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't even a, a specific uh, instance. It was just, you know, several years uh, on top of each other where it was just constant. Um, you know, basically from 2010 to 2013, pretty much every every decision incorrect, um, going about things uh, in the wrong way. Just pretty much everything. Everything I did was just wrong so what and was going on where were you in your career during 2010 2013 i had um you know i left i left the Bluetooth, uh restaurant in napa um you know didn't leave on didn't leave in the best situation wasn't sure what i was going to do next you know i had some um you know there were some uh substance issues along the way and just lack of confidence you know i'm seeing the point where you know it was I didn't even want to do it anymore, but it was, it was all I knew. And, you know, it took, it took several years to kind of write the ship and figure, figure out what exactly I, I wanted. So um, was it a what, lack of confidence I, in yourself, yeah. chef, you said? For sure. Yeah. For sure. And you said it took you, I think a... it was, you know, it was a little jaded by the, I think it was, you know, jaded by situations and it's ready to just try something new. Yeah, and I mean, you. It sounds like you were in a great situation, though. You got amazing accolades while you were at this restaurant. I mean, you were named a Michelin star restaurant, best new chef. Um, was it the pressure of it all? Did you feel like, I mean, because you're so insatiable and you reached this level, was it hard to maybe keep that, sustain that that image? I think it was. It was hard to sustain that. It was. I think it's the thing where everyone's saying that you're great, that what you do is great, and you know, deep down, I I don't agree. And uh, um, so at that point, I you know become a little uh, anti-success. And you know, if there's a if there's dishes on the menu that everyone loves, and I'm taking them off the menu, like I, I that's how I was, and I, I didn't want, I almost didn't want to succeed. Hmm. You said if there were dishes on the menu that you didn't love, you would take them off the menu, and you didn't want to succeed. Is that what I heard? Well, if there were dishes on the menu that people loved that were oh, signature dishes, okay. I I was not okay with having signature dishes. I mean, what would you what would you say your failure was? Are, are you are you different now because of this this experience? Like, where exactly did you fa- fail? Like specifically in doing what? I took on uh, you know I took jobs that didn't last. You know, I I wasn't the easiest person to work with. Um, trying to figure things out. Let me ask: How are you different now? Because, and I really do appreciate you opening up like this, but how, how are you, di- you said you weren't the easiest to work with. Are you, are you easier to work with now? Oh, I would say I'm a lot easier to work with now. I think it's just a matter of wanting to be a part of a team and not, not necessarily having to be, mm. to be uh, a dictator. And um, I think it, it helps being surrounded by people where you feel comfortable with others' decisions and you trust that you trust and value other people's input kind of open your mind to maybe things that you didn't think of before. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think it was Octavio Mantilla who recently was on the show from John Besh's restaurant group. 
And he said, you can accomplish anything as long as you don't mind who gets the credit for it. And, um, you know, some of his it factors were just seeing the strengths in others. And I think that's a big lesson to learn is that, you know, it's it's not about me, but it's about we. And it was that quote that came from Gerard Kraft, who recommended I connect with you. So, I mean, is that one of the biggest lessons you think you've learned in this time? I think so. I think, you know, Bluetooth is very much about me and um, I, I think... You know, it wasn't it wasn't what made me happy, and you know, right now, Rusty Canyon, this restaurant was successful before I was here. It's it's important to me that that it's about it's about the restaurant, it's about everyone here. Mm. It's why I you know you know my kitchen's names are on the menu. I I like to post pictures of their uh, family meals on Instagram and mm-hmm. give them credit for things, give them credit for you know involvement in dishes. I um I I, I think it's important you know. I think it's a better legacy to have to kind of empower other people and inspire and set other people up. Um, Absolutely. Awesome lesson. Thank you for sharing that failure and for really opening up and admitting that. I really do appreciate it. And uh, we have crushed the first half of this episode. You're being awesome, giving us great advice, sharing some amazing stories about yourself. We're going to go on to the second half of this episode. But before we do, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Today's sponsor is a business you can trust. If you have been in business for at least one year, have done over $100,000 in annual revenue, and have a 500 or better personal credit score, you meet the minimum qualifications to get a small business loan from On Deck. Anywhere from five dollars to $250,000 over a three to 24 month payback period. If you're a fan of the show, you've heard our guest mentors say, a great path to success is through scaling, not to go huge out of the gates. On Deck is a great resource to allow you to scale and to grow over time and to stay fresh. To learn more, head over to the show notes page of this episode, find the On Deck logo, and get started. All right, let's get back to this interview. All right, now, Chef, please drop some bombs of knowledge on us, uh, starting with the first question, which is, what is your advice on hiring good people? What questions are you asking? Where are you looking? A big thing when I hire people is I try to discourage them about, about taking the job. I like to, I, I don't like to paint any sort of unrealistic picture of what it's going to be like or what's what's going to be necessary in terms of dedication. And so, yeah, I try to get people to not do it and... If it still sounds like something they want to do, then uh, that's, that's a good thing. That's an awesome approach, but, I mean, so much can be done just from being honest. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Like, you're not painting a pretty picture. You're not trying to convince somebody to, that it's something that it's not going to be. You're honest, but with honesty comes so much respect. Do you think that because you're so honest with your people, they respect you more? I think so. I think I try to mentor the young cooks, and you know, especially for cooks who don't have this might be their first or second kitchen job. I mean, they might not. They might still have a romantic notion of what it is to be a chef, and that it's you know that it's going to be easy, or because they see on TV that you know different things. And I, I like to you know establish that it's not going to be easy. That they're going to have to work harder than they've ever worked in their life, and there's going to be days where you go home and don't want to come back, and. You know, it's the days you do come back the next day that make you stronger and, you know, really contribute to being a better a better chef. Mm. 
Awesome. So when you find these people who know what they're getting themselves into, when uh, you know, when you filter through the ones that are just trying to chase that celebrity status, but you're, you know, and you get those ones who are in it because they love the work, how do you keep them on your team? I think I try to keep, I try to keep things interesting. I, I try to always be excited about something, like, like I said, whether it's breadcrumbs or, or aioli or. You know, when you, you know, like right now we're getting staring in and just always doing new things that they're not seeing the same things every day. And, you know, whether it's on their station or not, they have the opportunity to see it. Mm-hmm. If they want to, you know, if they, if they want to come in early and, and, you know, learn how to break, you know, an animal down, you know, it, it's, it's a place where that's possible. And whether it's, you know, having an outlet, like they have to cook the food I want them to cook. Um, but on staff meal days and family meal days, on a third day, they can cook whatever they want. They have mm-hmm. a budget. I'm not saying what they have to cook. And they don't have to do it in my style. They can do something completely different and express themselves. And, and they can, you know, they can learn from that as well. I think it's important to set up an environment where, you know, it's, they can learn from the other food chefs, the cooks, from each other. I think a lot of the, a lot of the important things I've learned weren't necessarily from the chefs I work for, but from other cooks, mm-hmm. and to have that kind of environment where if people aren't there. Some gets to be very competitive with hazing, and I'm not really a fan of that. I like I think if everyone does well, then that that kind of displays the strength. Absolutely. And what I'm hearing from you, Chef, is really you have to tap into that higher need. I mean, it's not enough just to give your people a paycheck, but you really have to tap into that higher need of personal growth where they can come to work and know that they're going to learn something from either you or from one of the other chefs and that you encourage that environment of growth. And you can really see this because of what you do with giving that $25 budget for family meal every day where you really you give it to them to, to make something special and you highlight it. And if they really knock it out of the park, you put it on the menu. But knowing that they, they have that ability to grow and to get recognition and to um, – I mean, there's just so much going on there. I mean, what's the significance of what you're doing with that pro- that program or that project where you, you offer the budget of $25 for family meal? I'm there to, to guide them. If they, if they have questions, if they want to cook tripe or they want to, you know, mm-hmm. cook, you know, tough cuts of meat, you know, I'm there to, um, you know, I'm not going to do it for them, but I can show them how it's done. I can, I can uh, guide them and, and, and give them ideas. Um, I take on a huge responsibility for the fact that, you know, if, if someone's working for me, they, they've made that decision and it's not the easiest place to work. I'm not the easiest chef to work for. I'm, and it's not the highest paid, you know, job, but so they, you should get out of it as much as you can. And, mm. and to, you know, for them, they, they should, they should be selfish about this time in their career and, and take as much as they can. Absolutely. For sure. So let me ask you about some resources, chef. I mean, it's no secret that you have to educate yourself and invest in yourself with knowledge to be successful in any industry. So what are some resources, some books you've read to get either inspired or motivated or just to take your professional craft to the next level? I actually don't really read many books. You know, I have some cookbooks, but it's been a, I don't really, I, I will kind of glance at them. One of the, the resources that has been mentioned many times in the show, and this is a perfectly acceptable answer, is just other people. Would you say just being surrounded by other people and learning from other people? 
Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm, I, I learn on a daily basis from my cooks, my sous chefs, everybody. Pretty much everyone I come in contact with, I'm, I'm paying attention and, and trying to trying to learn more. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to work uh, for Josh Loeb, who is such a professional and, and smart and um, runs great businesses and, and is a nice person. And to, to be able to kind of learn from that is, has been probably the, the best thing I've learned. That's awesome. probably the best resource I've had. Awesome. I love it. So let's talk about marketing now, Chef. Um, I mean, if you could just give us one bomb and blow us away with one piece of knowledge on marketing, what would it be? Uh, I mean, I see you have upwards of, I think it was like 17,000 Twitter followers. I mean, are you marketing yourself or do you market yourself at the restaurant? Like, what have you learned when it comes to marketing in this industry? Well, I think I've really enjoyed Instagram. I mean, I'm fairly addicted to, to that. And I think it's, it's it was important for me, um, you know, because I've spent a few years not really cooking and not having that, you know, it's a gratification to see people react to food and you know eventually you know i kind of really started um taking part in instagram when i when i started at rusty canyon and you know it was a way for me to figure out what the, what the food i'm going to cook now is you know i didn't want to cook the same food i had done years earlier so it was, it was seeing that um you know how people reacted to it online maybe that would be a good dish or i could see what it looked like um and I could kind of tailor the aesthetic to what I wanted. And you know, I think it was important for me. I think in Ubuntu, there was a time where I felt a little overwhelmed by um, the demands of having to um, uh, supply recipes for different things, for magazines and writers. And this was a way that I, I, I could take a picture of it. I could put it on on Instagram, I could say what I wanted to say, and I didn't have to do anything else. Mm. And that's that's kind of how it started. It was me kind of controlling, controlling, you know, how I wanted to be marketed, and which is, you know, I don't know anything about marketing. I, um, I don't quite understand, no, and just, I know it's important. Well, but for me, that was being able to just make the food, take a picture of it, and put it out and see what the reaction was, that was important to me. Well, that is important. It really is. And there's a lot of significance there in reading the data and knowing how people are going to react to it. Some people just blindingly just toss uh, photos or messages or whatever out because they think they just need to put content out. But you, it sounds like what you're saying is be intentional about it and then try to get some feedback. How are people reacting to what I'm sharing? Is this a good direction to go in? And I, I feel like that's a, a great lesson right there is to use social media not just to, to get the word out to create your brand and to interact with people, but to use it to collect data and to get some feedback about what it is that you're doing. Like, what are people liking? And I think that's a great lesson to take away. It was good. You know, I I was kind of used to an open kitchen where I get to see people. And Russ Kenny, it's, it's a closed kitchen. So, again, I wasn't able to – I wasn't able to see people, you know, reacting to the food. So I, I think it was important to – to have that sort of, mm. in a way, validation from, from social media, which I'm sure no one has ever uh, discussed that. Absolutely. 
Great stuff. So let's talk a little bit about technology. I mean, it's been said that technology can be an accelerator, uh, you know, of your business into you can use technology to be more efficient, to be more systematized, to have those those processes in place. Um, I mean, is there anything you're using at your restaurant, whether it be front of house or back of house, uh, to, that has really helped you in regards to technology? Um, I think, you know, there's, there's some Excel sheets that I like in terms of tracking the food cost on a daily basis. There's, you know, prep lists, just things like that that I uh, just stay organized. But I'm, I'm not really a, a technology guy. I think at some point I would like to learn how to, you know, maybe have a combi of it and learn how to do that. But, you know, we don't use immersion circulators, uh, cryovac machines. Like we, we have a blender, a RoboCoo, a mixer, and a dehydrator. Um, that's the extent of it. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think I've always been a little, bit, little anti-technology, but, you know, part of it is also how overwhelming it is. You know, at times I feel like I'm an old, uh, an old dog who can't necessarily learn new tricks. <laughs> Maybe I can well, uh, you're doing something right, man. That's for sure. Uh, great things were said in my research of you. So uh, I don't know. I mean, what about front of house, chef? I mean, is there anything going on in front of house that your your team is leveraging? You know, we're actually I mean, we're a growing restaurant group, yeah. and you know, we're building uh, building um, systems as we go. Uh, you know, we have open table, which you know can keep track of specifics about you know, specific diners and times, flow times. Um, but other than that, we just try to stay organized with, you know, you know, we have a shift meeting every day and um, one person's responsible for taking notes and any menu changes and keeping that in a binder to, to kind of track any, what the dishes have been on a daily basis. Um, so I think there it's, it's probably just people are a little bit more about elbow grease than, um, um, than the technology. Awesome. Well, it seems to be working for you, man. So keep it up. Um, the next question I have for you is, what is your best business advice? If you could go back in time, Chef, maybe back to uh, when you were first starting to you know, do your stages or maybe when you got your first executive position as a, you know executive chef, if you could give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? I think it would be to be humble and control, control your message. And it's, it's about, I guess it's about delivering whatever message you you want properly. Um, you know, I think some advice I, I took that, you know, I actually got fired by the guy was that, um, you know, whether I'm right about something or not, if, if I'm not conveying that message properly, no one, no one's going to agree with you and they'll disagree with you out of spite almost. Um, you're, you're not going to get people on your team if, um, saying, if you're not saying, giving the message properly. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. Uh, you know, again, like our, our friend Chef Gerard Kraft said, it's all about we. And I think that's what I'm learning. And that's kind of like the motto of today's episode is, you know, no matter how skilled and how, you know, passionate you are, um, if you don't make it a team effort, uh, you can't get far. Is that, I think, the biggest lesson to take away from this t- today's conversation? Yeah, I mean, the, being a chef is more about more than just cooking. I mean, cooking is probably the, the least amount of, mm. of uh, what takes up your day, and you can't do it all yourself. And um, to, to be able to uh, let go and to be able to trust people and empower people and let them, let them succeed and let them be proud of what they're doing, I think is, is the most important thing. Awesome. 
Great stuff, Chef. This is the last question I have for you. If there was one question I could have asked you that you think would have added more value to today's interview, what would it be? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge talker. I, I'm, I don't really I don't ask a lot of questions. <laughs> so I, I, I don't really know how to I wish I had a, wish I had an answer for that one. Uh, well, you are awesome, Chef. You drop a I'm, t- yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You were great. You, t- you dropped a ton of advice on us. I mean, we took away some great lessons from today's episode for sure. So let's wrap it up. We'll wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. So who's one indie restaurant professional, somebody you admire in this industry and think would make a great guest mentor on the show? My uh, my good friend, um, James C. Hobbit from uh, Oakland and San Francisco. He's got Comey. Uh, Hawker Fair, the Dock, uh, actually two Hawker Fairs now. Um, he's, you know, we were co sous chefs at Manrata years ago. He always made everything look easy. Um, he's he's running four successful restaurants, and um, he's uh, he's a wealth of knowledge in terms of of how to build teams and um, and sustain them. Can you say that name for me one more time? Was it Jay? James, last name S Y H A B O U T. See how about J C Habot? Look out, man! I'm coming after you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get you on the show. I'd be honored if you would join us and uh, let the folks at home know, Chef, how we can connect with you. Uh, maybe your Instagram handle, your Twitter handle, if they want to, uh, to take up the conversation or maybe come work for you out on the West Coast. Um, my Instagram is uh, Chef Jeremy Fox. I think that's what my Twitter is as well. I don't really. I think uh, it is. That's how, that does sound right. That's how I, I did find you on Twitter today. So yeah, I'll have all those links right there in the show notes. Again, Chef Jeremy Fox, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have to you know dedicate your time. You. Yeah, to be a mentor. You were awesome. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> all right. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Jeremy Fox, dude, uh, totally just opening up with us today, getting real, uh, just, you know, revealing his secrets and his weaknesses and where he went wrong. I mean, he just really uh, spoke from the heart today. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but I absolutely did. So thank you so much, Chef, for getting real with us. I really do appreciate it. I mean, what can we learn from that story of how, uh, I mean, I mean, what I heard was, you know, your strengths can also be your weaknesses. Chef Jeremy Fox definitely has a strength for paying attention to detail and always striving to push a little bit further and to, to be a little bit better every day. But is it okay to let it get to a level where you become insatiable, where you're almost intolerable to be around, where people, you know, where you won't even put food out because, you know, the people around you might love it, but because you're so picky, um, I mean, you just can't be productive and it gets in the way of work and uh, you make it about yourself and what you want to do and what your standards are that you're forgetting about your team, the people around you. That's kind of what I heard about today or heard from Chef today, uh, a really interesting angle, something I never really thought of. So that was really awesome stuff. Um, Great episode. And uh, let me just apologize. I have to say I've only came up with one episode this week, and I've been a little bit slow. School has picked up. Uh, Midterms are are around the corner. 
And life is just crazy for me. I really hope to uh, go gangbusters, pick up the pace again and come November. Uh, so do hang in there and uh, apologies for not keeping up with the two, at least two episodes a week. Uh, but I do promise to turn it around soon. And uh, I guess that's all I have for you today. Like always, just a quick reminder, please support the show. There is a handful of ways to do it. Uh, you can just use my links. A lot of the things that are mentioned on the show, uh, sometimes they are affiliates of mine. I've become affiliated with some of these products our guests are recommending. So just simply use my links. That means I'll get a kickback for every time you use my links. It's at no extra cost, no extra expense to you. So that's one way. I mean, if you're going to spend the money, you might as well you know, pay it forward, give it back to the industry, people trying to learn so we can keep the show going. Uh, another way you can support the show is simply by leaving a five-star review. That's probably the easiest way you can do it. Um, those five-star reviews go a long way. Social proof really helps get the show recognized. And if you really love the show and you just want to, like, give me a virtual high-five or a slap on the ass, head over to the support page, restaurantunstoppable.com slash support. Uh, you can find uh, a link there or a tool there to leave a small donation if you'd like. And uh, thank you in advance if you do do it. If you do do that, because <laughs> I just said do-do. Uh, if you do that, then uh, you're really helping me out and I appreciate it. So, uh, and then I guess all that's left to say is connect with me, Eric, with the C at restaurantunstoppable.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, connect with me. Let me know what you think. Let me know who you think I should get on the show. I'm always here to help you. I'm here to serve you. That's the purpose of this, uh, to learn together, to serve you guys. I can't do it without you, you letting me know what you want to learn and what your problems are. So that's one way you can support the show as well. All right, that's it. I'll stop talking. I'll go forever if you let me. Uh, thanks again for listening in today. And until next time, crap. One more thing. <laughs> Don't forget to head over to the links, the, the Kickstarter for Joe uh, Fontana, a great guy, getting his Kickstarter for the Meatball Republic going. Let's support him. Let's help make him make his dream unstoppable. Now for real this time, peace out.